Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Movies, we're at the movies. Da 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 da. There it is. Welcome, welcome to the movies. Welcome to Movie Phone for Buckaroo Banzai. Press, Press one. one. All right, I finally saw Andy's long-awaited <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, here's listen from the opening credits. I went, oh shit! It looked foul. Um, but I gotta say, listen, I gotta say the lineup, A-list respectable motherfuckers. I promise you this. If they ever decided to do a Buckaroo Banzai 2 with these actors, they would all say no. <laughs> this was clearly a beginning for everyone who went, my rent's due, nigga. <laughs> Michael Rooker, great character actor. Jeff Goldblum. Peter Weller, John Lithgow, Ellen Barkin, and somebody who I love, Clancy Brown, who you may recognize was the main guard in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. When he was going to throw Tim Robbins off the roof as Tim was trying to explain to him how he could have kept the 30000 tax-free. I have an affinity for Clancy Brown because when I first came to L.A., the first television series I did, South of Sunset, with former Eagles uh, band member, Glenn Fry, rest his soul. Uh, Clancy was one of the top finalists who auditioned with me. And Clancy was a bad motherfucker acting-wise. I really wish he had gotten that part. But again, to Andy and I's argument from, last, from yesterday's podcast, they gave it to Glenn Fry. Why? Because he was an eagle. He's famous. A famous eagle yeah. who wasn't acting wise qualified for that fucking part. You have to do less promotion if you have someone famous. That's the Hollywood thought. You forgot Christopher Lloyd's in that movie. Oh, the space continuum as we go back into the future. <laughs> There's so many character actors that are in this movie. And you know movie. what's crazy? When they first. This is how wild this movie is. 
they show Christopher Lloyd's real face at one point, but at another point, this nigga was one of the aliens. So I didn't see his face, but the voice, the moment he spoke, <laughs> I was like, Marty, you've got to go with the future and don't meet your father. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Listen, if I was a kid, I would have loved that fucking movie. What, and, and what the fuck was John Lithgow's accent? It was supposed to be Italian. It what was it? the weirdest Italian it was supposed to be. <sighs> um, uh, you know who else is in that, though, by the way? I just want to let you know. Jo- Jonathan Banks. I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. Who is he? He is the, uh, he's like the ex-cop in, uh, uh, what's the series that we've been, about the, uh, the teacher that turns into a drug dealer? Oh, um, uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. He's Hank. Yeah, is that Hank? Yeah, he's the one who's the uh, in the hospital. It's <laughs> keeping uh, Doctor Lazardo locked up. Man, there's so many. If you watch this movie and you just look at it, there's so many people you'll recognize Dude, from other movies. Ve- I'm telling you, this was the humble beginnings. You know, this is the and see, this is what again to my point about the siblings of famous people. They skip these kinds of movies. Yeah, they get straight. They get the A list shit. The beginners have to eat from the trough, and that's not fair. Yeah, you know Clancy Brown had a really he he did have a good part in that movie though too. In, in yeah, Bond, he was but, one of the band players. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's one of the music guys. Yeah, um, listen, man, if y'all are, and I don't ever recommend doing drugs, <laughs> but if y'all are into heavy drugs, smoking weed before this one is man, definitely great. lace with PCP. This, You'll enjoy this movie. This is a. It's about a uh, a, a neuroscientist who uh, is also a rock star. Stop right there. That s- screams piece of shit. <laughs> but it's imagine com- that pitch. It's a comic book character. Fucking Sony. It's a comic book character. Though. So it's based off a comic book. This is one. Of, this is one of those original comic book movies. Yeah. That movie was so bad. All it was missing was porn. You know, I'm surprised because of the time it is from the because it's in the 80s. Right. I'm, I didn't see there was no nude shot in there, was there? No. Because in the 80s, every movie yeah, yeah, had, had titties. Yeah, yeah, titties. This didn't have it, and and it would have been un, it would have been nice because it would have been Ellen Barkin's young, Boy, very young. I, I, you know, uh, to my white fans uh, listening, I love y'all. I, I feel bad for y'all when y'all get older because y'all it starts at the neck. Y'all, y'all, just y'all. Y'all look like crumpled up wax paper, man. It, it just and Ellen and Barkin back in the day was hot. Yeah, she's still. I know you. You're going to disagree. Ah. There's still something sexy about Ellen Barkin. Ah. Maybe it's just holdover from when I. When yeah, I, I think it is. But I still think that she was in that uh, an, Wild Animals or something like that. Oh, I don't know. It was on. T, it was on. A, it was on one of the cable networks. Yeah, you know, and it's wild because you know. Ellen, not so much now, but they've all graduated to great careers. Um, uh, and we talked about it a little bit. Jeff Goldblum, um, who I think is top notch, uh, one of his humble beginnings, you know, Death Wish, the original. Yeah, I didn't realize that was. He plays a horrific rapist. Uh, and again, one of the most brutal gang rape scenes on film. Um. Yeah, Jeff. Jeff was wow. Um, 
So yeah, there that is. Uh, do you have anything else to add to Buckaroo Banzai? Um, yeah, well, no, not really. Just Jeff Goldblum. Man, I'll watch anything Jeff Goldblum's in. I really think he's like, if, if I had to pick someone, they said you could have dinner with one dude in Hollywood. Just pick one. Uh, uh, they 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 got steak. Uh, they 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 got uh, fish. It, it depends on what what you're 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 in the mood for. I I like the the cacciatore. Uh, I have the cacciatore uh, sauce on the side, and, and I'll, when the bill comes, I'll pay it. I do a horrible Jeff Goldblum, but I wish I could do Jeff Goldblum. Look up comedian Elon Gold. The best Jeff Goldblum. Frank tries to do Jeff Goldblum, but. Listen, I love Frank, but especially when he was fatter, it's hard for him to sell skinny guys with that head. Uh, but Elon Gold already is a brunette. He's already skinny. And when he puts the glasses on, he nails the shit out of Jeff Goldblum. Dude, he just seemed, and he's so interesting. He has so many plays. He's a, like, he plays the piano. He's. Uh, who, who, Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, man. He's, yeah. He, did a, he just did an album. Here's a little fun fact for you he's also a, 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 a serious martial artist. You know how I know that? Because my barber's brother got in a fight with him, and he whipped the shit out of him. <laughs> he, he's listed in Death Wish, which you're talking about. He's listed as freak number one. Freak number one. That's paying your dues. <laughs> you're not even rapist number one. You're a freak. Uh, yeah, I think that I, I just thought with the I, movie. I, I know this is going to be a difficult scene, uh, but I want to know. I'm gonna uh, rip your panties. Uh, do you want to rip the left side or the right side? Uh, should I pull them down hard or should I uh, kind of aggressively uh, uh, grab your tits? I I I don't know. God, I wish I could do a Jeff Goldblum. I, I, I wish I could do one as good as the, the one that you're doing. That would make me happy. Uh, yeah, dude, just the, the movie itself, it is a good get high movie and watch the movie. But it's it, – oh, oh, and for the black folks out there, I, I just want you to let you know there is space aliens. Mm-hmm. They seem – would you say Jamaican? Well, one dude was clearly Jamaican. Jamaican. Would it worse accent, man? <laughs> but he, but that was his human presence, right? If you're gonna do a bad Jamaican accent, I would rather it come from a black guy. Oh. And no, nothing be worse <laughs> than white folks from the suburbs when they go to Jamaica. <laughs> hey, man, can we get a drink, man? Jim Kurt Carey does the worst Jamaican funny, the worst Thanks. best. Right. Uh, he intentionally makes it bad, and it's right. funny when he does. Oh, it. I gotta see that. Um, the right. player, dude. That's the movie that I was unsure whether I, you know, when I put it on there because that is not a comedy movie. Right. This is an interesting movie, though. T- tell them what it's about. Uh, it's it's about a producer in Hollywood that uh, accidentally kills somebody. No, he didn't accidentally. Okay. Purposely. Well. Well, yeah, kind of. No, it was an accident because he yeah. wouldn't have intentionally done it yeah um and the guy that and here's what happens uh more context uh i guess the guy that he killed is a writer and he was looking for tim robinson to help his career by submitting something and of course tim robbins having the power to green light the movie could make this guy a famous hollywood writer so tim did what most 
or a lot of Hollywood motherfuckers do. They schmooze you. They lie to your face. They say, hey, I'm going to get back to you. And they don't. So the guy took it personally. Uh, but the twist was he killed the wrong guy, right? Because at the end of the movie, yeah. the, the real dude is still alive. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Um, and here's what I noticed when the movie first started. I went, oh, shit. That whole movie, the lot it takes place on, where we shot Mad TV. Yeah. And the movie, interesting enough, is a movie that, even though Hollywood made it, even though, well, it was it was independent, but it was right. made. The, Hollywood was afraid to release it. Hollywood does not like making movies about Hollywood or TV shows. Uh, they rarely greenlight projects like that because they feel one, it's too inside, so rest of America won't get it, and, it, and it's not relatable. So they don't like making movies about Hollywood. Um, but this was a really underrated movie that didn't get a lot of attention. I thought it was good. Did you think it was good? You know, I'm going to tell you, I, I didn't know whether I, was, I, I could like it. I, I mean, I watched it and I went, okay. I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. Like, like dude, I just get nauseated when, I, when, I, when they do the scenes of motherfuckers eating lunch and schmoozing and... All that Hollywood shit, because again, I live it. I've been through it. And I know how full of shit it is. And it's nauseating. So I kind of know why the studios don't like, because it's like, who relates to that shit? Yeah. Well, I think most people, I think most people, even when I wasn't doing this, I think most people kind of think of it as... uh, not necessarily relate to it on a, on a right there level, but imagine it. Like, oh, I wish I could be in a meeting like Most that. Most people, whatever it is they imagine Hollywood is like, ain't like that. <laughs> no, it's, not. it's not like what you think it is. It's a lot of bullshit. And listen, when it does work out, I've always said, when it works out in your favor, that's the drug. That's the part that fucks you up because there's nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. I know we. I didn't put this on my list, and I didn't want to because I wanted to. Just didn't want to discuss it in that kind of in this kind of vein that we're going to do. But did you ever see Get Shorty? I never committed to it. I would always watch pieces go in and out. Okay, I never that has, sat down and committed. The reason I asked you because it has a lot of that kind of Hollywood. Right. Okay. But that's more a comedy, though, right? That was com- all see, comedy. See, when something is a comedy, it almost gets a pass because you don't take it seriously. Well. The producer was kind of it wasn't a comedy, but there was there was some dark humor to it. Right. I don't think that movie knew exactly what it was though either. Right. I thought it was a very interesting movie. Did you think it was honest the way they portrayed it? Again, I, I, I didn't I you know, I saw it in pieces. I didn't see enough of it. No, no, the the, oh. Oh, the producer. Yeah. That's that, why it made me That's why they didn't like it. That's why they didn't want right. to want to release it. I think it's a good insight. You know, I mean, obviously, you take it up a notch with the murder. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Right. <laughs> but right, right. but yeah, I think that it's, 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 it's an honest kind of... Uh, and I think if there was... Well, I shouldn't say that, because I don't know personally anybody, but it, it seems like there would be a lot of cover-up and backtracking from what we know of old Hollywood. Right. From, like, the stories you hear of old right, Hollywood. Right. So did you like it or not like it? 
If I had to choose, I'm leaning more towards not liking it because I wouldn't watch it again. Did you like Tim Robinson's? Uh, oh, I think he's solid, man. You know, he, he's solid. And there's a lot of actors, a lot of uh, cameo appearances in that movie. Yeah, too. but okay, that I get yeah, why okay. that is. Yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah, you know, I I didn't help. I <laughs> I ate a lot. I ate some KFC. Before I watched it, so that grease uh, you you had me dozing a little bit. Um, you watched it with itis, a little bit of itis, yeah, yeah. Um, now to my two picks. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the fan, De Niro and Snipes, and I never had seen it. That was the one movie that I had never seen. So what did you think? You know, there again. I, I this is what I was going to say about it. Uh, Movies have many different moving parts in it. The, 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 obviously, the writing, the original screenplay. Mm-hmm. The writing, then the original screenplay, then the casting, the actors. Um, Ellen Barkin's in that, interestingly enough, too. Yeah, at the age where, you know, yeah. that neck. All of it very... Uh, she, no, she's still kind of hot then. Yeah. yeah. She's still, um, all of it really good. And then it comes down to the directing and then the editing. And I think something for me wasn't right in the editing at the end. I think I, towards the end. Yeah. I think I kind of know what you're talking about. Uh, Listen, we all know that in movies, there's that thing called suspension of disbelief. How you tow that line, to me, is where that's part of the art of storytelling and movie making. And then there's where you just ridiculously go over the line or you ignore it. For those of you who've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who haven't, please watch it. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's, it, and De Niro is solid. Really Wesley's solid. Wesley's great. Um, it's a good, entertaining movie. But here's what got me. So the scene where De Niro saves Wesley's kid from drowning and... Wesley allows him to come to the house, kick it with him a little bit. Hey, man, you just saved my kid. The least I could do is have a beer with you and hang out a little bit. So, of course, by this time, De Niro's lost his job. His wife's got the restraining order against him. He can't see his kid. His life has fallen apart, and he's now entered into psychotic zone. So he's in Wesley's house. He takes a shower. He strolls to his closet. He puts on his baseball jersey puts on his jacket over the jersey so Snipes can't see it. So, And Wesley told him to go pick some stuff yeah, out of the closet. Yeah, pick some stuff out the closet. Because he was wet from right. saving Right, and when kid. he comes out, Wesley goes, oh, looks good on you. So they're drinking a beer, they're playing pool, and De Niro finally kind of gets to ask the question to Wesley, so what got you out of that slump? Because Wesley was in a hitting slump. Um, and prior to this, De Niro kills Benicio Del Toro's character, Juan Primo. Um, Which is the worst acting Benicio Del Toro's ever done. Only because why? there was no... They didn't give him anything to do in that well, movie. Well, that ain't got... Well, listen. It wasn't his fault. Well, small actors. No such thing as small act, uh Parts. Small parts, small actors. For what that part was... He did it right. Yeah, he was playing a... I was just I, one... I play baseball. I'm Hispanic. I play the baseball. We play with the Giants. And we compete against we compete against the Yankees. Yeah, I just like him as an actor, and I was disappointed that was. Yeah, that they was gave it. him that stereotypical yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he kills Primo, which in his mind is the reason why Snipes is hitting better now because he got the problem out of the way. 
So when he asks Snipes, hey, man, what made you get out of the slum? And Snipes basically tells him, I just stopped caring and fuck the fans. All the things that the fans would not want to hear. So it pisses De Niro off. So they go outside the house uh, on the beach. Wesley lives near the beach. And De Niro wants to throw Wesley a couple of pitches and have Wesley hit him. So once he finds out that Wesley's attitude, he starts throwing a couple of pitches to hurt him. And Wesley, and, you know, Wesley basically says, all right, let's call this a night, crazy guy. He goes, and that's that. Cut to this motherfucker De Niro then kidnapped Wesley's son. And the dog. And the dog. And stole a Humvee and is riding down the street. Now, here's where suspension of disbelief gets ridiculous. So you mean to tell me this motherfucker woke his son up out of bed in the house while Wesley's in it. No questions asked, no fight, no resistance, no noise. Took the dog too. No roof roof. Starts up the Humvee. Not a motherfucking Phantom or a Maybach, which because that car costs so much, this is how it start. Don't make no noise. This is a Humvee. And this ain't even the Humvee that came out that was slick and stylized. Yeah, yeah. This is the box metal army Humvee. When you start that bitch, the ground shakes. So you want us to believe this nigga did all of that with Wesley in the house. And no plan because he didn't have a plan to start this. Where, how do you know where the keys were? How do you know where the car keys were? <laughs> how do you know where the garage at? And let me tell you something about black kids. We don't go silently. <laughs> this old white motherfucker. We don't go. We, that he we, just met. The kid just met. just met. We, 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 we don't. We, we, we ask questions. Hey, dad, hey, this motherfucker want to, we, we, we don't do that. Um, so that was so far-fetched and ridiculous. And then here's another one. When his son comes to hang out with his dad for the first time and he jumps off the private jet, Wesley's got something in his coat that he's hiding, a big bulge near the stomach, and he's got the jacket zipped to the neck. His son goes, oh, dad, you gaining weight. What's that? Zip. He opens the jacket. What does Wesley give him? I forgot what it was. The dog. Oh, yeah. The The puppy. puppy. You're right. You're right. So within the same baseball season, the the dog's fully grown. You know what? I didn't even get that. The dog's fully fucking fucking grown. grown. What puppy chow is this? (laughs) I didn't even grab. I didn't even get that part. Yeah. Like it just like, come on. Yeah. It. And then he goes to visit his, uh, the part that I, I liked where they tried to give you some clues is when he goes to the, the guy. That Coop. Coop. Right. And then you find out it was his little league. Yeah. And he made all this into like he was in the big league. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Now, Coop is this dude who uh, De Niro mentioned several times throughout the film prior to meeting Coop. He always goes, Coop was the greatest athlete I ever played with. Cut to... Coop never made it in the majors. He work as he works as a security guard at a at a parking lot at night. Um, and the first thing he says when he takes Wesley's kid and to go meet Coop is, "That's my son." Obviously, Coop knows it's bullshit. So at one point, 
the kid is playing with the dog off to the side and De Niro's calling Bobby Rayburn, Snipes' baseball character, with Coop standing near the truck so he could have Coop hear him talk to Bobby Rayburn. So Bobby gets on the phone, hey, Curly, and he, he Snipe, I mean, uh, De Niro calls him, told Wesley his name was Curly. Really? Curly, just give me back my son, man. Please just give me back my son. So now Coop listening to this knows this nigga's crazy. He's kidnapped this man's son. And De Niro says at the end of it, now do you care? And you better hit me a home run in tomorrow's game or I'll kill your fucking kid. Now there's no question Coop knows this nigga's crazy. So they are now um, De Niro's pitching to Wesley's son. A couple of pitches, see if he could hit him. And Coop is playing the, what do you call a guy? Catcher. The catcher behind his son. So once the son starts to realize De Niro's a little off, he starts crying while he's holding the bat. And because now, you know, De Niro's, De Niro's he's getting aggressive. Yeah, he's throwing two pitches. Two, right two, two pitches, but he's getting aggressive. Yeah. Pick the bat up, kid. So the kid starts crying, and Coop says to him, hey, don't stay calm, kid. We're going to get you out of this. So on one of the throws, Coop catches it, throws it back to De Niro, but purposely throws the ball over his head so he can go chase it so the kid has a chance to run away and hop over this fence. The kid goes over the fence. De Niro smashes this nigga in the face and the head with a bat. Not once, but twice. Dude falls to the ground. Blood is coming out of his head. And that line you just said, where we know it's Little League, he goes, you're fucking crazy. It was just Little League. You talking that clearly <laughs> after two head strikes with a bat. Like it just, you know, again, it's an entertaining movie. But could you try that? As Patrice once said, that's lazy writing. Yeah, it, I don't think it was writing. I think it was the way it was edited. I think the at the end it just fell apart. They didn't want to take the time to make a great movie. Right. You don't get you don't get uh De Niro to do a shitty written movie. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, listen, I think what happens is early in most people's career, two things happen, like we just talked about with Buckaroo Banzai. One, you're, you're desperate to be in a movie. Get the check. Work begets work. You get the check, you pay your bills, you establish yourself as a name, and hopefully if the movie's a hit, that makes your next gig more attainable. Once you rise to that level, now you really picky about your work because it's quality because your name is on it now people want to be able to go when that when i see a robert de niro denzel pacino movie there's a certain amount of excellence but then i think what happens is after you've ridden Reach. that wave so long you stop giving a fuck yeah and if the money is really good it's a payday it's an easy payday well yeah you don't care as much if you like the director if you like the guys you're gonna be yeah in, yeah but I still think that there, I think there was a miss there because the movie was going along. It had the, it had the potential to be that that thriller, that suspenseful thriller. Right. And then it just at the very end they just went, nah, it's too long of a movie. Let's right. let's let's cut it up right here and let's fix it. So in order to save time, you sacrifice quality. I think that's that's what it felt like to me. That's what I didn't like about it. You know this character that Ellen Barkin plays, like she's a sports radio personality um and she's 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 vying 
really hard to get this interview with Snipes, who won't give it to her because, quite frankly, she's a ball buster. But as he gets further and further into the slump, his agent, played by John Leguizamo, great job, by the way, uh, is basically telling him, look, you got to get the people on your side. They hate you right now. You're not hitting well. You seem like you hating on Primo, who is doing well. Have her write a piece on you that's great. So uh, they meet at this bar, and, you know, immediately she starts spewing out his stats. You know, and I don't know baseball jargon, but, you know, let, let me put it, even though he's, he's a baseball player, let me put it in basketball jargon. You know, your, your points per game are down. Your, your assists are down. You know, you're not, uh, you're not, your rebound, you're not rebounding as much as you are, blah, 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 blah. And she's breaking down his game. I, you know, I, I've said this, and I'm sorry, because this is the chauvinist in me. I'm always honest about who I am. I'm a hypocrite. Uh, I'm chauvinistic at times. Women talking sports to me is just so unsexy. Nothing makes me have turtle dick more than that. My dick uh, recedes into a shell and it goes hiding. It almost sounds like when they talk sports, it's like the handshake thing I have where women want to prove I'm to be respected as a woman in business. So I'm going to shake your hand and break every bone in your fucking hand. It's like their voice gets deeper when they start talking sports to justify I know what I'm talking about. Your game point average and the slump that you're shooting in. Get the fuck out of here. There's no female sportscaster that you think does uh, an adequate job? A good job. You know who I like? Michelle Tafoya. Oh, no, no. No, uh, not Michelle Tafoya. Doris. Her name is Doris something. The blonde chick. The, in basketball. Yeah, yeah. Where's the glasses? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You don't like the, the, the one who does the jump? Uh, Rachel, Rachel Nichols, Nichols yeah. Blowjob wise, I would love it, <laughs> dude. I just, I, I, I think again, Rachel I, Nich- I, I, again, we gotta have something to ourselves. And if I'm gonna talk sports, physical dunking over moves, debate, I want to do that with a dude. What are me and you talking about, sweetie? She knows her shit, though. They all do. They study. But you know what I don't buy? That when you go home, you're that passionate about it. If you were as passionate off the mic, off your job, I would respect it. But I don't believe it. I don't believe that those women, when they leave there or on weekends, hang out at a sports bar like we do, glued to the TV, invested, hot wings. I don't, I don't, I know. No, you don't think that there's w- women athletes that fall oh, into ahead. that. You don't think women athletes fall into that that, that become they're athletes. It's their job. I'm talking, and I'm not even talking about. Oh, you're just talking about a casual fan. No, nah, I'm not talking about casual fans. I get fans. Okay, I get a fan, a female fan. I'm talking about the women that work the job. Their job is sports analysts. They do interviews. They go into the locker room. They they spit the statistics. They debate with the men. They do that because it's their job. You don't think they live and breathe it? No. Okay. I don't believe when they go home, they care about it. Those dudes that do the sports jobs as analysts, they're dudes. So away from the job, they're still doing the same thing. They got a cold beer. 
They sock, they shoes is off, they socks is on the fucking coffee table, and they going, man, look at this nigga. So you're talking about beyond love for the yes. game. Yes. Okay. I'm not, not going to fight you on that one, but I think that there are some women that feel that way. I don't know that they're the ones that are on TV. Yeah, they, they you know, they got men. They, 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 they girlfriends be they man. But bringing that character up, Ellen Barkin's character. Yes. It was, it was important at the beginning to establish uh, Rayburn's character. Right. And then in the middle to have the interview. But then what happened to the, her at the end? Like, it, at the end of the movie, like, it didn't have any meaning. They could have done that with without a the character what didn't become essential anymore like there was there's something missing in that movie with the, the end the way right. that it came together at the end didn't have everything coming to a conclusion i mean even the lazy way they took it where they they show him the end where they find the other place that he might have been hiding out is there right. any other place right. and then you see that he's been crazy for a long time right. and that his ex-wife actually knew it and this this baseball friend of his actually was kind of afraid of him that you realize because they knew that he was crazy right and so then you see the crazy come together but there was like there's like 10 or 15 minutes that didn't make that it was just like okay here's here's the end of the movie and look he's crazy instead of really working us into that that part that's that's what i mean about that movie that's what i didn't like about it uh and i'm gonna end on this note just you know listen this ain't news we know this He's one of the greatest actors of all time. De Niro's so good. Like, dude, again, this is why I go, I'm not an actor. Because there was there were moments where he did certain things when people would say something to him to piss him off, where he had to show you a little crazy, little ticks, movements of his neck, eyes. And I was saying to myself, how would you don't and I'm laying in bed watching it and I'm going pl- do what he just did without doing what he just did. So if someone said what they said to him, what's your reaction? But don't mimic him. What's your version of that? I felt awkward trying to come up with. I, I didn't know what to do. Even even when uh, he throws those two uh, pitches by uh, Rayburn's head. Right. And the way he reacts afterwards. Right. I was like. That motherfucker is dope, man. Yeah. Because how would you? It's it wasn't it wasn't he got it because it wasn't just anger. Right. It was there was a sense of uh, disappointment. Yeah, like like you just destroyed my whole belief system. Yeah, and I and I don't care that I'm doing this to you. Right. Uh, there, it, the, he is he is a that man. motherfucker's a that's a master. Dude. That's what I when we yes. And then when you look at that crazy versus. Max Katie crazy from Cape Fear. Yeah. Those are two different characters. Oh, yeah. Both nuts. Both scary. Played two different ways. That That's... I can't figure out one way. <laughs> this nigga masterfully... Two different types of crazy. But that's that, just amazing. But that's... I felt like... I felt like there was a lot of money left on the table from the acting that was put in. I felt, Wesley Snipes, who were ignoring this, I thought he played a great baseball player. Hey, man, that, scene, that same moment with the pitches, and he goes, but I still haven't shown you my best pitch. And once he goes, oh, I'll show you have. Yeah. Like, he just, he just yeah, man. Yeah, that, that yeah. Uh, my One last note, and then I want to move on to the next movie. Um, that scene, it made me laugh so fucking hard. When he's in the... Um, when he goes to opening day with his son 
and he's acting, you know, kind of out there. And they cut to the old lady who's watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at one point, he turns to her and he goes, mind your fucking business, you fucking busybody. <laughs> it would, like, dude, I, I did it in my head. I said, dude, as much as that was funny to me and made me laugh, if he would have replaced busybody with fucking bitch, because the way he said, mind your fucking business, it was so strong and so to the woman who just, she didn't even react with a gasp. What did he? Oh, She just kept that same stoic look of disappointment. If he would have just went, and mind your fucking business, you fucking bitch. Oh, dude, I, I said that to myself in my head and I fucking lost it. Um, and one more thing, one more note that brings me to it. Uh... The, the 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 lady that plays his wife, and I know that the women do this, but why do they have to be such cunts? Why did she have to be such a cunt? To because him? have him home by six, or I'm calling the police. Because she doesn't want him with him because she knows what a crazy psycho he is. Come on, that man. was, that the, was so that, over the top. That was the setup for the end. Yeah, like she was right, in. But- she knew it. But but then you're I, I understand your side. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Did he become this be, this way right, because right? Okay, so I get I get you. Even at the baseball thing, when she goes, "Get away from him! He's my son," and he goes, "He's my kid too." Like, where do you get this? I'm a hundred percent ownership. Like, get get the fuck out of here, man. I, I just know that sometimes I think women over not all women, but women overdo it when it comes to once I'm pissed off. You're going to feel my wrath on every level where you do shit that's unnecessary. <sighs> okay. The fan. It's a, it's a good movie, but uh, some of that dispension of disbelief is out there. Um, now I want to talk about this movie. Hoodlum. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne, Tim Roth, and uh, my man, Andrew Garcia. And... Uh, What's my girl's name? Vanessa Williams and Shy McBride. Uh, Stella Cass, man. You know who else in there, though? Who? Uh, Clarence Williams, the third. Yes. You got to say the third. The third. Because that's how they said it on the show. It's prestigious. Clarence Williams, the third. Um, Dude, let me tell you something. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, a.k.a. Larry, one of the most solid actors ever. Uh, You know, why do fools fall in love? Fucking hoodlum. Um, I think I liked him better when he was Larry. Uh, well, of course, Boys in the Hood. He's a solid dude, man. Dude, he's fantastic. And here's what was great. So, so what I loved about Hoodlum. Um, prior to that, we never saw any movies about black gangsters, even though we knew they existed. Uh, but most notably, Bumpy Johnson. Yeah. So to finally see, because, you know, traditionally and stereotypically, all mob movies are about Italians. But, you know, Bumpy Johnson was a bad motherfucker who ran Harlem. And, of course, I almost wished that movie would have somehow bled into, and by bled into, I mean, and speaking of Clarence Williams III, instead of casting him as Bumpy Johnson for American Gangster, I wish they would have put Lawrence Fishburne in it. As like a, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. let it bleed into, like because we saw Hoodlum and we know that's the character he played, and that would have been great to see 
Denzel and Lawrence Fishburne as though that was a continuation. Yeah. Because remember, in American Gangster, Frank Lucas was Bumpy's driver and caretaker. And he groomed Frank Lucas. So how dope would that have been? Um, and yeah, man, fucking everybody in that movie's performance is rock solid, uh, especially Tim Roth as Dutch Schultz. Dutch, I, I, he should have been a little bit more schlubbish. What do you mean schlubbish? You know, because they say he doesn't he, he doesn't bring the style. Right. I would have liked to see him more. What they said Schultz was was I, I thought I thought he they were meaning more from a behavioral standpoint. It, behavioral, the way he looked, the way he ate. He didn't have right class. No couth. He he didn't have any style. Right. So that that that's kind of what I, I thought should have been a little bit. But 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 Tim Roth always does a great job. He's a great actor. Right. And, you know, with the movies we talk about, this is what is fun when we when we came up with these movies, maybe that we didn't see or maybe they didn't get. They're great actors in these movies. These right. are these, these are what's getting missed. Is the is the is the ability of the people. And in the correct movies. me if I'm wrong. I know Tim Roth was in Reservoir Dogs, right? He was, yeah, 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 he was yeah. undercover he was, cop. Yeah, yeah. Was he in Pulp Fiction? Was he in that diner scene when him and the girl, she jumps up on the table? Yeah, 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 that's him. That's Tim Roth, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a bad dude, man. Um, yeah, that's a bad dude. That's You know, this movie is where when we first started the podcast and I would do those movie quotes and I would tell people, tell me where the quote came from. Place dead men's balls upon me, queen. When he put the testicles <laughs> yeah, in yeah. front of Cicely Tyson. Yeah. How old is that bitch? She was 108 then. My God. Dude, uh, the only thing I didn't like about that movie, that, and, not, and it's not about the movie, it's why I didn't originally see that movie. Because that mm-hmm. was the one, that was one I had a really good, I seen it, but then I didn't get into it. And I, It's that I don't like that paperboy talk, that... Uh, Paperboy talk. I got you know, like they stand on the corner and they're selling. Read all about it. Read all about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't like that. The, was that era, baby? I know. It just, I don't know why that cadence, the whole thing, does it? It gets to me. The nineteen forties. <laughs> That's where the Negro began. He's gone through quite a transformation of names. You know, coon, baboon, ape, monkey, Negro, colored, African American. But you know him best from that one word, odd niggas. The 1940s, what a brilliant time. Glamorous. Yes, the 40s. It it just sounds a little bit... Mud babies, Andy. (laughs) That was a term we used to call them, mud babies. Uh, It just sounds a little contrived now. I'm not saying that's not how they talked. It just sounds right. so contrived when I'm listening to it. But once you get into the movie, that goes away. Dude, I often said this before. I was looking at the interior of the car when Tim Roth got out uh, from having his final meeting with Lucky Luciano. Oh, that time. That time, dude. I had to live in that prehistoric time, dude. And I'm not, I hate suits. That's all you wore back then. Even even if you were a bum. Right. You still wore suits. suits. It, it, was, it had a hole in it or whatever, but you still oh, wore suits. Oh, my God. And I mean, again, in terms of relativity, prior to that was real prehistoric. So having to jump to that must have been amazing. But looking at what we got now in terms of automobiles, that shit. Oof. Oof. I could imagine living in that time, man. 
Like what you did for fun. No TV. I don't even know if radio. 1940. Yeah, radio. Maybe, right? Radio? Yeah. Yeah, nigga. Damn. Oof. Dude, I, I, did, I really liked the movie, though, how... It told the story, and see, they finished up the end quickly. They right. didn't. They didn't. They didn't hang on the end where they had to go through. But they gave the story. They gave the story. They brought it all full full circle and ended it right. with that he pulled it over on all of them. Yeah, and that's what I like. I like them. I like a movie to have. And obviously, these are based on real stories, right. so it's easier to get to the mm-hmm. to to that because you know what how the story is supposed to go, but. It was, that was good because I mean it's 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 a very small amount of time in in Bumpy Johnson's life that right. of this this time period. It was a good story though. Um, dude, something just made me laugh. Uh, the uh, and incidentally, I don't I don't know if this was set up purposely like this, but it's crazy. But the white police captain with the white hair that had the Irish accent, yeah, he was a he was a cop also in the Untouchables. With that same accent, yeah. so I don't know if it was connected. Couldn't have been, but um, do we do we have a white guy that can do the Irish accent? Who's plays a cop before? Right. Um, <laughs> yes, casting. Get us the same white guy who does that Irish crowd Mick voice. Um, that scene, dude, when he's getting the blowjob from the hooker before Bumpy comes in, yeah, slit yeah. his throat. It's it's just funny to me because he's murmuring because of how. The good it feels, but with that accent, and he sounds a little leprechaunish. <laughs> oh, the God of the head, oh God, the, oh, the pink strawberries, the yellow hearts, and the rainbows. And then at one point, Bumpy comes in, and the hooker sees Bumpy, but the dude doesn't, and he says, "Oh, what you put it away for?" <laughs> so she stops sucking his dick, and he thinks that. He doesn't know why. Why? Yeah. He goes, ah, watch you put it away for. Yeah. That was that was pretty funny. Uh, Uh, I like when he though right after that he has he asks uh, Bum, can I can I pull can I pull up my pants please? Oh, oh right, because honey, please allow me to pull up my pants. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't want to be caught with his dick out. Right. (laughs) Um, Some of my favorite lines from the movie, and this is again where Tim Roth is just fucking. Awesome. Uh, in the movie, Clarence Williams III plays Schultz's right-hand man. Like, he's his go-to guy. And prior to this scene, there was a little bit of tension between the white Irish police captain, who was clearly a racist, and Clarence Williams, where uh, I remember the, the police chief was sitting down talking to Schultz, and he said something about somebody fucking somebody's sister. And he goes, well, well I can think of worse. And he looks over at Clarence Williams <laughs> to indicate a black man fucking your sister. So the tension had been building. And in this next scene, they almost go to blows during a little argument. And it's almost as though Schultz took his man's side and basically had told the cop, both of y'all knock it the fuck off. We got to take care of some business. But he also had to let the white cop know, I'm still white. I still know which team I play for. And he tells Clarence Williams to wrap up the half-eaten sandwiches. The scraps. The scraps between Schultz and the captain. And Clarence Williams goes, no, no thanks, Schultz. He goes, no, 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 wrap them up. You, you got to feed those kids of yours. 
no, I'm okay. And then Roth looks at him and goes, hey, don't be proud. Take home the scraps. And it was that moment that Williams went, I'm going a, I'm to a help Bumpy. Yeah. Nigga, you did, you, you, no, 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 no. Like, you, you, you just played me to let this white guy know, I mean, nigga, take my scraps. Oh, that was, that was good. Yeah, and that the way was, he said it, dude. And how, but what, what's amazing is we both saw that part. We both, we never watched the movies, obviously, together. Right. And we both got that that was the, that, that was, was the turning point yeah, for him. It was just so, and it wasn't overly done. It wasn't. I mean, it was. It wasn't like they. You talking about the part where he says, "Take home the scraps." Yeah, it wasn't like they played music. Bum bum. Yes. Bum, you know. What yes. I mean? Yes. It was just. It was just in the acting. And in the acting, Clarence didn't show his hand. No. Like, all right, motherfucker. What? You know? He just silently yeah, took but, home the scraps. But we knew what was going to happen. You, yeah. That was that's, that's that's acting. There you go. That's there you go. Uh, one of my other favorite moments. Um, and, and, you know, certain roles have a cool to it. Your boss, your leader, your mob, you kill motherfuckers. And Denzel delivers that so cool, as does Lawrence Fishburne. When, and that scene, they have a meeting. Finally, Schultz, Lucky Luciano, Bumpy, and they're really trying to squash the bullshit because Lucky... And Bumpy, they want to handle business. And of course, bloodshed is part of mob life. But if you can avoid it, you avoid it because it brings unwanted attention. The cops. But Schultz is so reckless, he don't give a fuck. So in the scene, Bumpy turns to Schultz and he basically tells him, if you insist on doing things your way uptown, then I have no choice to make my presence felt downtown. The way he delivers that line, it, that's one of those lines where you got to put some cool on that. But again, like you said, it's not overly done. And, and, and Lawrence has a, had a quietness smooth to him that was just as intimidating as if he were loud. I, I just, it just, it's just, I, I just love watching phenomenal acting. The, another part I love is when uh, they've killed Pickfoot. Uh, Shy McBride's Mary. Yeah. And he's drunk and he's talking to uh, uh, Lawrence on the couch. And, you know, he's, he's belligerent. <laughs> and this is black shit. This, this, this is where black people verbiage. We just come up with certain shit. When he said, uh, Eleanor, don't make me raise up and put my hands on you. And he keeps going, goes, take your drunk ass home. But that, that's some old school, don't make me raise up. I, I just, that, I love that line. <laughs> you make a nigga raise up, you're about to get touched. Um, well, they're best friends. He's cousins. Cousins. Yeah. And friends. And though. friends. Yeah, 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 they're cousins. And uh, even when, when Officer Foley fucked him up and he goes to him, man, my cousin going to fuck you up good behind this. Officer Foley. So he's still, <laughs> even in death, yeah. cracked a joke. Um, another great, another great uh, piece of dialogue is when, when he comes in and he throws the finger from on the table from the dude who was trying to kill him, and he said to uh, Schultz, uh, "The dig, the jig is up. It's your final curtain call, Dutch." And as he walks away, Tim Roth goes, uh, 
I know where your high yellow bitch is living. Bring Francie over. I'll fuck her for you. High yellow bitch. This movie, this is a, again, man movie. It's got all the right elements. Nigga. Gangsters, shoot 'em ups cursing, violence. It just, it's, it's, it's a great movie, man. Was that a white dude? Uh, something a white dude would say? Yeah, high yellow bitch. Yeah, that's a white dude's. Uh... Yeah, when it comes to racial, y'all hold back. Y'all don't hold back. No, but but was that a white? Because I always thought there was some black folks said high yellow. Yeah, I, I didn't see think what it you're was... saying. I see what you're saying. You might be right, but when you really are racist, you then dig you, you deep. get you yeah you you know the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know the dictionary. dude that that should be what we sell after the shows what the racist dis- dis- racial dictionary, dictionary. Yeah. just every fucking racial right. t- for everything. Dude, it was funny. I, I didn't, and I've seen this movie a million times. I didn't catch it until I watched it today. The scene, the first shootout when Lawrence Fishburne is taking uh, Cicely Tyson to the opera, and they have that shootout in the street. Yeah, and the one dude who looks like Beanie Siegel, the rapper, with the one pistol. Yeah, there's a part where if you listen close or rewind it, he gets shot, and he goes ah. Shot me in the ass, motherfucker. <laughs> Almost feel like they purposely turned that down. Because it was such a black thing to say. And I've seen this movie a hundred times. I swear to God, I never heard that. But I heard it. I was like, did this nigga just... And I rewound it and I played it. Pow. Ah, shot me in the ass, you motherfucker. Dude, I said, like, that was ad-libbed. Dude, those dudes were the worst shots. Oh, they had machine guns oh, and they couldn't oh, hit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe you know, back then, them cars was made with real metal. Well, that's true too. So maybe you know. Yeah, they didn't go all the way through. Right. They got a little slow down before they actually hit you. Yeah. Um, and and I gotta say, um, that scene. Well, two more scenes. Well, I, I, we're cutting on time, so let me do this one last one. Uh. That scene where out of nowhere, I guess it became too much for Vanessa Williams, where she just didn't want to be with Bumpy no more because of his lifestyle. So he comes home thinking they about to go out. He says, sweetie, we about to leave. Why are you not? Yeah. And she decides, I'm leaving you. And he gets mad and starts throwing her fucking clothes out the top of the balcony of the house. And again, this is about going back to the to the Will Smith thing. And he said, "She goes, you li- you lied to me." He goes, you, "You lied to yourself, Francine." In other words, you knew who I was. You know what I do. So now you got morals. And I and I and I just it made me go, "What do you bitches want?" <laughs> if the nigga had been a janitor, a bum, and didn't have a job, he wouldn't be good enough. You are with the number one nigga in Harlem. He runs Harlem. No one will ever hurt you because they'll be dead. He's, he's got this fancy place. One scene, he put diamonds around your neck. The nigga loves you. You're with the baddest nigga in Harlem. And that ain't good enough. What do you bitches want? Will Smith, bitch had side dick. Bumpy, bitch leaving him. What do you bitches want? They want it all. You got it all. They want it all. Last scene, quick. Uh, that scene where 
uh, dude tried to poison Bumpy with the Sunday. Oh, that was good. Right, and he decided he was going to really, you know, dig deep. And he knows Francine, she's not partial to this kind of life. So he goes, uh, Whispers, take Francine home. Francine, go home with Whispers. And she goes home. When you say what a glorious time to be a white man, that's also a glorious time to be a man, even for color. Bitches did what they was told. Go home with whispers. Come, come with me. I take you home. That just out of the forties. Even Negroes could control their nigger women. Yeah, I just I miss that. That just I'm old school. Something so like would you, that. Man. See, you would take more racism, but but to be more man, would you would you switch out? Maybe for a little while, as long as I could come back. I want to taste. I want to be able to tell the bitch go home, and she go home. No questions asked. No questions. Because I know you're you're telling me to do what's best for me. Yes, I know what's best for you, woman. Yes. <laughs> Old school. All right, there it is, y'all. Hope you enjoyed it. The next time me and Andy review some movies, we got Tin Men on the list, which is one of his movies. They Live, which I can't wait to talk about. <laughs> and then for me, we got Sleepers and Vendetta. Dude, I think we should throw Pulp Fiction in there and you should have to watch it. I've seen Pulp Fiction. Okay, well, we, should t- we, we should throw that in there. All right. It's a good movie. All right. All right. I'd love to know what's your favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. My favorite Quentin? Probably Django. I think so. Yeah. Because I hated The Hateful Eight. I didn't hate that. I didn't hate that. I hated it. It was boring. Um, Kill Bill was interesting for the first half. I, I like. I love the line where she said, uh, uh, "If you're still, well, I, I'm paraphrasing, you're still alive, go home, but leave your parts. Right. Those are those are mine." Um, Reservoir Dogs is solid. Reservoir Dogs is one of those. That you, we, we, and we were speaking of underrated. That's one of those movies that people came into Quentin, Quentin Tarantino and Pulp Fiction. They didn't right. get Reservoir Dogs, right? Dude, that movie. That that's a that's a Pulp Fiction. I love the beginning, the end, the middle gets kind of to me. I, I I like all of it because I'm I'm ADD. I'm right. all over the place. That right. that was like that movie for me. It was right. perfect. It was a great way to watch a movie. Right. But the Django. I think so. Dude, that movie from beginning to end has your attention. Right. And uh, the scenes in it are... are, are dude, the, the scenes back at the, uh, the, the Candyland, those scenes are some right. of the best. Yeah, and, 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 and DiCaprio is such a beast. And the other dude, the... the, the, the I, I forgot his name, and I feel bad to... The European dude. I don't know his real name. Dude, that dude is a fucking actor, yeah, man. Yeah. I I apologize yeah. to you, sir. I will have your name next time we come on here. <laughs> that dude, fucking yeah. Those guys, and then and then Samuel L. Jackson. That, oh, of course, dude. That though, that rule is that nigga on that nag, <sighs> dude. And it was it was a hundred percent Tarantino movie, but it had everything that it was. Do beyond. you know? Who's, what Sam Jackson's character's name in that movie was? No. Terrence Williams. 
Was it? You really do have ADD. Why? You don't remember we did the podcast episode, how much I hated Terrence Williams? Oh. Was that his name, though, in it? Was no. It? Oh, that would have been funny if it was. No. I just made it. Made it up. Because I, <sighs> you would have had to have a chicken bone in his hand when he came out. To there talk. you go. That's why I didn't get it. Okay. All right. We're out of here. All right, Chuck. Bye. Can you feel it, baby?